Hello, I'm Kelly Proctor, the president of DMV Healthcare USA Incorporated. Thank you for joining us for this episode of our podcast, RX for Hospital Quality. It's my privilege to introduce podcast host, Simile Miller. Healthcare world, welcome to our podcast today. I am Simile Miller, the host of RX for Hospital Quality. Really want to thank everybody uh, for attending symposium, those who could attend, and for those who are able to join us virtually. And also uh, for all of your support for our podcast and for our appreciation, we want to offer a special code for our listeners for any training, any public training that you sign up for the rest of this year and first quarter of next year. If you use the code podcast, you will receive 10% off of your seat for those public courses. So that begins as soon as we put this podcast out and will run until the end of first quarter, which is the end of March. So just plug in that podcast code and you should receive 10% off. I am very, very excited um, about this podcast. We have a special co-host and a special guest. Uh, Rennell is with us again. You guys will remember she was with us a couple of uh, podcasts ago. Rennell is uh, overseas and manages the orthopedic program for our certifications division. Rennell, welcome. Thank you for being our uh, co-host. Thanks so much, Simile. It's exciting. This is really an exciting <laughs> event for me today. Uh, to to bring this uh, podcast to you, I will tell you, uh, for those listeners out there, will so relate to this topic. We're going to talk today about patient-reported uh, outcome data. And we know that whenever PROMS comes up in any conversation in our ortho and spine world, it always creates a little bit of a uh, apprehension in, in the gut. So I have uh, talked with uh, across the country, actually, with many of you, and I am excited today to actually have Ashley Street with us. She is the Quality um, Outcomes Coordinator for Surgical Services at Lexington Medical Center, and she's also the president for the NAON chapter in South Carolina, and she's going to talk to us about her journey uh, and how she is where she is today uh, with regard to uh, to patient-reported outcomes. So, Ashley, I'm excited. Thank you so much, and I'm going to uh, just have you start and just... Uh, introduce yourself and then I know you know there's so many questions that I have that I'll uh, I can't wait for us to get this uh, going sounds great thanks for having me today uh, so again my name is Ashley Street I'm at Lexington Medical Center here in South Carolina uh, and started the journey with our orthopedic center of excellence uh, with DMV three or four years ago now so looking forward to this conversation Thank you, Ashley. Well, I'm going to start right away and say, hey, I know I was there, very, very um, impressed with um, what you're doing with regard to this topic and how it's so relevant today and how we even seeing, of course, that CMS is now also uh, becoming part of the conversations. My first question to you is, tell us about where did you start? How long have you been doing this? And where can we tell our customers that's on the call today or that's going to listen to this podcast, where should they start? 
Sure, great questions. Um, I have probably been on this journey three or four years now here at Lexington. Um, just hearing the words uh, patient reported outcomes, knowing it's something we needed to move forward with uh, well before CMS started talking about it. Um, we are an EPIC facility. So early on, my goal was to be able to utilize our EHR. Uh, currently, we are doing that, but when we first got started, it was paper and pencil, and as the Total Joint Navigator at the time, that's where we begin. Uh, so the hardest thing that people face, I think, is capturing as many uh, patients as you can. So we did start early doing pre-op assessments. Uh, we then started our intervals after surgery as well. Um, one of the things that we did early on was choose which questionnaire we were gonna go for. By far the easiest when we looked at all of them was the Who's and Coos Junior. Um, so we did choose that one early on. Uh, minimal questions, um, patients really understand the questions. So we definitely thought that was the one to go for. Very good. And I actually wanted to ask you now, do you have to manually capture this information or do you make Epic make do the work for you? Yeah. So current state, thankfully, Epic does the majority of the work. Uh, the manual capture is the exception versus the rule now that we have instituted everything. Awesome. And, and you know, I know as, as a member of, of your chapter, I'm sure that this question comes up quite often. Uh, is it only, uh, you know, are you aware, is it only um, those customers that have Epic that can actually use their uh, EMR or do you know of other uh, software or other uh, EMRs that uh, this is also doable? I think that when I get to talk to people around the country, Meditech is um, a little less advanced and they do not. I think Cerner is looking into it, especially with the new ECQM coming down with CMS with this. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, my friends that are on Cerner and Meditech, they're still doing it the way we originally created it. And so I have been working with them with that, um, just to do that paper form, capturing it in the clinic space. Uh, we also do it um, attached to our patient education classes. And so that's a great forum. If you can't set up a clinic space, um, if you're talking to patients preoperatively, we're very lucky that our physician engagement is very strong here at Lexington. So our physicians require them to come to class. And that was a key point for us. So we're capturing 100% because of that. So we attach it to the class when we first started. And that's how other facilities are doing it as well. Right, great, great. Now, you know, again, one of the other questions, and I even, you know, I even have this with some of the payers that's asking me, you know, what is the intervals? that would work best. Uh, so how, I mean, what is those intervals that you use and how do you, how, you know, how do you work on compliance? Because that's the big part, right? Patients are motivated to complete this when they're in a lot of pain before surgery, but then things kind of like fade over time. So help us a little bit on, on your intervals and how you work with your patients to have them continually be engaged. Yeah. So um, we chose a two-week interval, a three-month, a six-month, and a one-year. The two-week interval was key because that is when every one of my physicians see their patients, post-operative dressings, that sort of thing. 
Um, again, when we initially instituted this, um, when they signed in at the doctor's office, they did their sign-in paperwork and then they got their who's or who's junior. And so then we would take that from them and just honestly, we started with an Excel spreadsheet. So we would enter that data in. So every time they did their return visits at the three months, the six month and the one year, that staff, clinical staff and all, uh, had that form available and we captured it. Current state, because we're able to utilize Epic and the Epic Build, uh, we actually use the uh, Care Companion and MyChart app, uh, app piece, for lack of a better, for our patients. So they get a ping through MyChart and their questionnaire is there available for them. So we have the intervals set up. So we have the paper available if we don't have a patient who is linked into my chart. Um, so they still can do it. The new thing coming uh, with my chart we've heard is even if they aren't on my chart, they still can answer the questionnaires. I don't know the logistics of this yet, but we're super excited about that one as well. And, and that is, is that for everybody that uses Epic or is that again, maybe a platform that they need like an addition that they need to purchase or is that just listen standard uh, from Epic? But from what I'm understanding, it is actually a standard. It's you can purchase different platforms, but this is actually not part of that. This is just under the Epic build. It's called a questionnaire series. It's anchored around a surgical event for those uh, involved in Epic builds. Um, it's built around rules. And so they have a surgical grouper for the total knee and total hip. And the Epic people of the world are able to attach that to that grouper and send it to those specific patients when it's tied to the logic in the background. So it's completely uh, user friendly for the patient. So all they're seeing is just these timed interval questionnaires. Yeah, that is really fascinating. You know, yeah, technology, right? Technology right. Is, is becoming our friend because I, I do know that a lot of organizations are still doing this manually. And it is becoming more and more difficult. Now, on your patients, you know, one of the other things that changed, of course, in our world with ortho and spine is that we are seeing less patients on the inpatient side and more patients in the same day surgery and observation status. How are you using this, this tool? Are you using it for all of your patients? Yeah, we definitely are doing it for all of our patients. One of the key things that we noticed early on was the physician feedback. They really liked seeing that as patient-centered as my, uh, my, my surgeons are, um, to know that they made a difference at these timed intervals. So I agree with the new measure coming out where they decided on the one year mark to be kind of the roundabout figure uh, for the return forms. Um, the surgeons really notice that big difference at the one year mark, and that's what they want to see. So, um, yeah, we do it for all of our patients and we'll continue to do it for all of our patients, even with the new measure only being inpatient only. Good. Well, you know, we, you know, like I said in the beginning, this, this is very daunting for organizations to include and, and, and really start collecting this data on these patient reported outcome measures. Um, so many of them don't know where to start. So I do want you to um, answer that at one point for me too. But, you know, one of the biggest things I think that made the most 
uh, made it most relevant today is that message that we had a couple of months ago from CMS on this next requirement. So can you kind of expand on people that's out there that don't know anything about this? The first time that they're hearing about CMS having anything to do with proms, can you kind of like give us a little bit of that background and what that means for, for people that's currently um, doing these types of surgeries? Sure. Um, I think that um, patient reported outcomes is kind of the wave of the future with the self-determination uh, and all of the, the shared decision-making models that we're now utilizing. Um, some of the payers are requesting to know what shared decision-making model you're using, and this would be it for us. So moving in the questionnaire form, the patients know that they're in pain. It's almost like we've had the feedback from the patients to say that this acknowledges their pain and they can tell a description of what it is to their doctors. They can say it hurts here all day long, but this gives a better story. I can't climb upstairs, these sorts of things. So I think it's really a good utilization tool um, for us to do. Um, I will say that the new uh, measure coming down the the rule is going to be 90 days to the day of surgery you can capture the pre-assessment questionnaire so that one's crucial that one tells the base story of your patient the final one that cms is interested in will be i believe 300 to 400 and maybe 20 something days after the procedure and that's around that one year mark you can capture it and report it so you're getting to show the final result in their mind of how the patient's going to do. Part of the other thing that they're building into this, though, are the risk variables. And so that is going to be kind of new for us at our facility as well. Some of the things we already look at that they're requiring us to submit, BMI, uh, chronic use of narcotics, uh, but there's some new things coming down, the VR12 or PROMISE, which is a mental health questionnaire. So these patients are going to have an increased amount of questionnaires they do need to fill out. So we're still trying to work through that space. Um, but they're going to be using some different things to help risk stratify these patients, I think, risk variables involved. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a big task. Uh, but Epic is definitely ready for it. We've seen some of the build, um, so we're super excited. As far as the others that are still on manual, I think that it's still very doable, uh, but you've got to find those capture points that work best for your institution uh, and capturing the preoperative and the postoperative. Utilize your clinic space. That's a guarantee those patients are seeing uh, your physicians. And fortunately, um, it, it, it will take manual entry on those, but not undoable because we did it for several years. Yes, yes. Well, you know, the, the one thing that for me, again, a question that I get from, from hospitals when, when I interact with them is they would ask me, well, how did you know about this CMS measure that's coming out? So how who, who's getting that information and how do we get it to our ortho and spine coordinators? Well, for now, the ortho coordinators. I will say I'm very lucky um, in helping other facilities around the uh, around the nation. Um, 
sometimes it's fragmented where a, let's say, total joint navigator is located in the organizational chart of that institution. Again, I'm very lucky. I'm located in our quality department. We have had multiple surveys through the last year and a half, and always, no matter what governing body it is, it's usually noted a strength of our institution is um, the location of our outcomes, measures under the quality department, uh, but the coordination of those efforts are also located in the quality department. So you're getting quality outcomes. So I think that if you are not located in quality, uh, make them your best friend, because that is the easy button to know everything regulatory, everything that you need to know. So we did hear about this measure. Uh, I heard about it actually through NAON uh, and keeping up with all of that. And I've heard about it through our quality, uh, my, my guru, I call her, of CMS measures for our, our department. Awesome. Well, that that's a, you know, and I agree. I agree with you. I say the same thing. And even in our requirements, you know, we link the three key people that need to be involved in any kind of program development. And this program would be somebody from quality with uh, aligning with the coordinator and then, of course, the medical director. But that that quality uh, individual representative is key to some of these uh, regulatory pieces that is uh, that's that's coming our way uh, just a, a, before we close out on this whole CMS measure uh, can you tell us just a little bit again for those audience that's now new to this and hearing this for the first time today just a little bit of timelines that CMS is proposing and uh, and and where what the next steps would be for them Yes, yeah, so in looking at some of those timelines, um, one of the go lives was for October 31st, if you had already worked the build and you were ready to go. Um, so they do have staggered opportunities uh, throughout the next several, I think it's a six month interval that they're gonna do this. Final, I believe is in two years when it will be mandatory. Yeah, so right so, now um, it's just voluntary, correct? Correct, it's historic. Yeah, voluntary, yep. So um, plenty of time to get all of your uh, build or process together, I think. Um, but now is definitely the time to start working on it. Um, so you can get those intervals correct. Yes, I, I actually encourage the organizations that's currently contracted with us as we do their advanced certification reviews that they should volunteer, be the first to go out there because I think that you're right, you know, get, getting in there and what, when you're in the voluntary phase, it's more helpful to kind of like work out the kinks that once it's mandatory that you are, uh, you know, all those headaches and, and, and things is resolved. So, um, so that's, uh, that's good information to have. You know, you mentioned uh, earlier just a little bit of, of uh, you know, that you've also heard this information through NAON. And I know you're the president uh, of NAON and your local chapter. Can you tell us a little bit just about the benefits of, uh, of NAON with, with regard to your role? Absolutely. 
So several things are such an, a huge opportunity of, of NAON. Obviously, uh, it's National Association of Orthopedic Nurses, uh, but just like this certification through DMV, it's so much more than that. It is spine, it is uh, foot and ankle, it's shoulder. NAON provides resources for all of that with the addition of trauma, actually, and mid-level, so nurse practitioner, PA. And so what that means is there's clinical resources, there's clinical links to um, AAOS and AUKUS and governing boards for the orthopedic surgeons that we can utilize as well. There's a monthly navigator call for all total joint navigators, um, but it's very applicable to spine navigators as well. And that's led um, by uh, the education area of NAON uh, and anybody membership is welcome to join in and they put out an agenda with hot topics. Honestly, the several last few months have been DNV as a hot topic and um, I love to see that. Uh, patient reported outcomes are always a hot topic there. Um, so it, it's just a great resource altogether. The state chapters and affiliates um, are gaining momentum again, which we love to see. That's a smaller group who gets together and talks about all of the same things. Um, you always want that national level because that's bringing in the clinical resources. Um, but to have a, a, a local level, it adds a role of advocacy and all other things that you can do on a state level too. So Awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I mean, whenever I go from hospital to hospital and again, interacting with customers, I always bring up the benefit of NAON because, of course, education is such a key topic within our requirements as well as um, all the new things that's out there. And I, I think that my experience with NAON is that they are really warm to share. There, there's not, none of that holding on to information and it's only mine. But, you know, listen, this is this worked for us. This is uh, something. So, so that was very, very beneficial for me. Before we go, I have uh, one uh, last kind of like closure question on proms. You mentioned that you uh, recently were at the ACAS conference. And so, you know, we think that this whole patient reported outcome is just like hospital based or, you know, it's our uh, uh, new requirement to deal with. Tell us a little bit about how that played um, out in the AUKUS conference. It was very, uh, very informative. Um, AUKUS is a, a huge arena of surgeons and it's hip and knee fellowship trained, usually uh, surgeons there. So a lot of work this year went around uh, the patient reported outcomes. Lots of different research studies were done and presented. Um, so a lot of good takeaways. They mentioned um, some of the risk variables and was it appropriate to utilize with this or not? Um, so at the end of the day, CMS says, yes, we're going to use it. Um, but it gave, you, it gave you some things to think about when you left the meeting to say, how do I want to utilize this? Um, and all of it is, is evidence-based research um, done by surgeons, which was great here. You know, that I think that one of the uh, other excitements for me is that we are seeing more and more physician engagement, these kind of topics that's relevant for us in our program and our program requirements and what you need to implement with it to have a successful program is so aligned with the surgeons. So to see this collaboration is really, uh, I think, the future. 
and, uh, and, and, and just really exciting. So, well, I want to say thank you so much, Ashley, for, for talking with us today on this topic. I know as soon as we post this, we're going to have more questions because, like I said, this is the number one question that I, that I receive is help us understand PROMS and how we should implement PROMS and everything that goes around it. Similarly, before I transfer back to you, I just want to share one other thing with the audience. Uh, of course, we implemented our new requirements that went into effect November 15th. So this week, they actually went into effect uh, um, on, on Tuesday officially. Uh, and I continue to get daily lots of questions on interpretation of the requirements. So I've talked with our um, educators on the background and we are going to do a webinar in December. It's going to be probably, uh, we're gonna put it together probably the week of December 8th. It will not be a typical webinar like we always do, which is a live audience webinar, but it's gonna be an odd, a webinar where I'm gonna present on the interpretation of the new requirements and then we'll put it out there for all our existing customers. So. Um, just know that that is one more thing um, that's coming out our way. And then, um, you know, one other thing that I just want to mention, which I'm hoping is okay, Simile. Oh, yes. Um, I am using uh, more and more. I'm trying, this is my goal for 2023, to communicate to all of our customers. And so I'm using LinkedIn as the platform to do that. And so I'm encouraging anybody that's listening to this webinar, please go ahead and connect with me because that's, if you want to know what's happening in the ortho and spine world, that's where you're going to find it out first. So thank you, Sibylle, for letting me talk to you today and the audience out there. Enjoy uh, Thanksgiving. I think by the time that we actually launch this, uh, Thanksgiving will be over and you'll enjoy all the leftovers. So, Simile, <laughs> thank you so yeah. much for the for the opportunity. Yeah, I think this podcast actually is getting broadcasted on Thanksgiving, so I'm not sure if our uh, listeners will hear it until then. Uh, <laughs> but but yes, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, I, I really am excited about our orthopedic program, um, the Orthopedic Center of Excellence. I It's it's amazing to see it grow. Uh, and it's it, the focus is needed, right? So orthopedics yes. is very, very, very important. Uh, and growing in, in our nation, that that uh, area of acuity and care is definitely growing. Um, I, I love that. Uh, I think my uh, key phrase that I'm taking away from this on kind of a funny note is every quality department has a guru, um, a guru of CMS. So, uh, <laughs> which is true. Uh, someone has to, right? Very <laughs> um, true. <laughs> Well, thank you. And thank you, Ashley, for being our guest. Thank you, Rennell, for being our special co-host. I'm sure Rennell will be joining us uh, again in the coming months. Uh, she She's a natural at podcasts. So uh, to everybody out there, thank you for joining. And as always, please, please, please take care of yourselves. That's the most important thing. And be safe. Thank you for listening. Rx for Hospital Quality is a podcast produced by DMD Healthcare USA Incorporated. To learn more about subjects covered here or to download any of our standards or requirements, please visit our website at www.dnbhealthcare.com.